Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Tennessee Wine and Spirits Retailers Association versus Thomas. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. Argued January 16th, 2019. Decided June 26th, 2019. Tennessee law imposes durational residency requirements on persons and companies wishing to operate retail liquor stores. Requiring applicants for an initial license to have resided in the state for the prior two years. Requiring an applicant for renewal of a license to reside in the state for 10 consecutive years. And providing that a corporation cannot obtain a license unless all of its stockholders are residents. Following the state attorney general's opinion that the residency requirements discriminated against out-of-state economic interests in violation of the Commerce Clause, the Tennessee Alcohol Beverage, Alcoholic Beverage Commission declined to enforce the requirements. Two businesses that did not meet the residency requirements, both respondents here, applied for licenses to own and operate liquor stores in Tennessee. Petitioner, Tennessee Wine and Spirits Retailers Association, a trade association of in-state liquor stores, threatened to sue the TABC if it granted the licenses. So the TABC's executive director, also a respondent, filed a declaratory judgment action in state court to settle the question of residency requirements constitutionality. The case was removed to federal district court, which found the requirements unconstitutional. The state declined to appeal, but the association took the case to the Sixth Circuit. It affirmed, concluding that the provisions violated the Commerce Clause. The association petitioned for certiorari only with respect to the Sixth Circuit's decision to invalidate the two-year residency requirement applicable to initial liquor store license applicants. The Supreme Court held uh, let's see. the decision below is affirmed and Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court. Tennessee's two-year durational residency requirement applicable to retail store license applicants violates the Commerce Clause and is not saved by the 21st Amendment. The Commerce Clause, by its own force, restricts state protectionism. Removing state trade barriers was a principal reason for the adoption of the Constitution, and at this point, no provision other than the Commerce Clause could easily do that job. The Court has long emphasized the connection between the trade barriers that prompted the call for a new Constitution and its dormant Commerce Clause jurisprudence. See Guy v. Baltimore and Granholm v. Heald. Under the Dormant Commerce Clause cases, a state law that discriminates against out-of-state goods or non-resident economic actors can be sustained only on a showing that it is narrowly tailored to advance a legitimate local purpose. Uh, see Department of Revenue of Kentucky v. Davis. Tennessee's two-year residency requirement plainly favors Tennesseans over non-residents. Because the two-year residency requirement applies to the sale of alcohol, however, it must be evaluated in light of Section 2 of the 21st Amendment. Section 2's broad text, the transportation or importation into any state, territory, or possession of the United States for delivery or use therein of intoxicating liquors in violation of the laws thereof is hereby prohibited, 
could be read to prohibit the transportation or importation of alcoholic beverages in violation of any state law. But the court has declined to adopt that reading. Instead, interpreting Section 2 as one part of a unified constitutional scheme and in light of the provision's history, history teaches us that Section 2's thrust is to constitutionalize the basic structure of federal state alcohol regulatory authority that prevailed prior to the 18th Amendment's adoption. That's Craig versus Boren. This court invalidated many state liquor law regulations before the 18th Amendment's ratification, and by the late 19th century, it had concluded that the Commerce Clause both prevented states from discriminating against citizens and products of other states, uh, Walling versus Michigan, and prevented states from passing factually or facially neutral laws that placed an impermissible burden on interstate commerce. That's Granholm. State bans on the production and sale of alcohol within state borders were rendered ineffective by the original package doctrine, which made goods shipped in interstate commerce immune from state regulation while in their original package. Congress responded by passing the Wilson Act, which provided that all alcoholic beverages transported into any state or territory were subject upon arrival to the same restrictions imposed by the state in exercise of its police powers over alcohol produced in the state, i.e. bona fide health and safety measures. This court, however, narrowly construed the term arrival in the Wilson Act as arrival to the consignee rather than arrival within the state's borders, which allowed consumers to continue to receive direct shipments of alcohol from out of state. Congress passed the Webb-Kenyon Act to close that loophole, but as this court's decision in Granholm determined, the Webb-Kenyon Act was not intended to override the rule barring states from discriminating against out-of-state citizens and products, nor the traditional limits on state police power. Thereafter, the 18th Amendment was ratified, prohibiting the manufacture, sale, transportation, and importation of alcoholic beverages across the country. Section 2 of the 21st Amendment grants the state's latitude with respect to the regulation of alcohol, but it does not allow the states to violate the non-discrimination principle that was a central feature of the regulatory regime that the provision was meant to constitutionalize. That's Granholm again. The 21st Amendment ended nationwide prohibition, but Section 2 gave each state the option of banning alcohol if its citizens so choose. Its text closely followed the Webb-Kenyon Act's operative language, suggesting that it was meant to have a similar meaning. That's Craig versus Boren. The provision was meant to constitutionalize the basic understanding of the extent of the state's power to regulate alcohol that prevailed before the prohibition and during that period, the Commerce Clause did not permit the state to impose protectionist measures clothed as police power regulations. At first, the court did not take, into account, take account of this history, but it has since reorganized or recognized that Section 2 can be interpreted to override all previously adopted constitutional provisions scrutinizing state alcohol laws for compliance with for example, the Free Speech Clause, um, 
in Liquor Mart Incorporated versus Rhode Island, the Establishment Clause in Larkin versus Grendel's Den Incorporated, the Equal Protection Clause in Craig versus Boren, uh, the Due Process Clause in Wisconsin versus Constantino, I think, Constantino, uh, and the Import-Export Clause in Department of Revenue versus James B. Beam Distilling Corporation. Section 2 also does not entirely supersede Congress's power to regulate commerce. See uh, Holsetter versus Idlewild Bond Voyage Liquor Corporation. Nor its aim to permit states to restrict the importation of alcohol for purely protectionist purposes. See Granholm again. Protectionism is not a legitimate Section 2 interest shielding state alcohol laws that burden interstate commerce. Uh, Bacchus Imports Limited versus Dias. The court has applied that principle to invalidate state alcohol laws aimed at giving a competitive advantage to in-state businesses. The association and the dissent's overly broad understanding of Section 2 is unpersuasive. They claim that while Section 2 does not give these states the power to discriminate against out-of-state alcohol products and producers, a different rule applies to state laws regulating in-state alcohol distribution. There's no sound basis for this distinction. The association and the dissent also claim that discriminatory distribution laws, including in-state residency requirements, long predate prohibition and were adopted by many states following the 21st Amendment's ratification. State laws adopted soon after ratification, however, may have been based on an overly expansive interpretation of Section 2 that can no longer be defended. In many state laws adopted before prohibition were never tested in this court, nor have states historically enjoyed absolute authority to police alcohol within their borders. Section 2 allows each state leeway to enact measures to address the public health and safety effects of alcohol use and other legitimate interests, but it does not license the states to adopt protectionist measures with no demonstrable connection to those interests. Applying the appropriate Section 2 analysis here, Tennessee's two-year residency requirement cannot be sustained. The provision expressly discriminates against non-residents and has, at best, a highly attenuated relationship to public health or safety. The association claims that the requirement ensures that retailers are subject to process in state courts, but does not explain why that objective could not easily be achieved by, for example, requiring a non-resident to designate an agent to receive process. Similarly, unpersuasive is its claim that the requirement allows the state to ensure that only law-abiding and responsible applicants receive licenses. The state can thoroughly investigate applicants without requiring them to reside in the state for two years. And in any event, the requirement poorly serves that goal, since the TABC would have no reason to investigate a non-resident who moves to the state with the intention of applying for a license once the two-year period ends. Nor is the residency requirement needed to enable the state to maintain oversight over liquor store operators. They can be monitored through any number of non-discriminatory means, including on-site inspections, audits, and the like. 
There is also no evidence to support the claim that the requirement would promote responsible alcohol consumption because re retailers who know the communities they serve will be more likely to engage in responsible sales practices. The residency requirement is poorly designed for such purpose, and the state could better serve the goal without discriminating against non-residents by, for example, limiting both the number of retail licenses and the amount of alcohol that may be sold to an individual, mandating more extensive training for managers and employees, or monitoring retailer practices and taking action against those who violate the law. The decision below is affirmed. Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Ginsburg, Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Kavanaugh joined. Justice Gorsuch filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Thomas joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0, or on Twitter at Court Syllabus.